hoping I can talk to you about Alien 3000 today, but I've been sitting here, I've been watching this stupid rift just glow different shades of purple and blue for like three hours while I try to communicate with it, and it won't communicate back to me, and all I need is my friend Isaac. All I need is him to talk about Alien 3000, one of my very favorite movies on the planet, and I don't, I don't know how to reason with it. I don't know how to bargain with it, and I tried to reach in to get him, and my hand is now bubbling red and full of pus. I don't like pus, so I'm just going to sit here, and I'm just going to wait. And if it doesn't give me Isaac, then I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, where? Who are you? Where am I? Oh, wait. Is this the chunks on? Yeah, you've been here before. Shit, dude. This is the chunk. I didn't. Uh, dude, I thought I was dead. No, you're not dead. You're just gonna wanna be. I have at the top of my notes right now, my title for this discussion of Alien 3000, which is 3000 Aliens, The Hunt for the Googly Boogly Boys. That's what I have decided to call the alien. He is either Alien 3000 or the Googly Boogly Man because he's he's just all eyes as we'll see later yeah the people of this audio podcast is gonna see that later no i mean see in the in the (laughs) in the vocal paintings that we make with our words you know but you know what's more beautiful than our speech or the chunk zone or us isaac what's that the characters of alien 3000 a movie from 2004 released (laughs) directed by jeff leroy that's what isaac so is that is that how we're starting today's episode of the chunk zone you know because i'm you know really i'm after the horrors that i just witnessed uh in that rift i'm kind of down to you know go about this whatever is that what we're starting with today are we doing the characters first is that who we're going to be introducing is it horrific inside of the rift um i think it depends on 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 i'm not sure what i don't know well what did do you not want to talk about it? Was it traumatic? No. No, it wasn't traumatic. You're fine. I don't want to talk about it. He's fine. So our main character, her name is Kate. She saw the alien in her dreams, killing people in a cave. So she got sent to a mental institution. People keep dying, and we gotta investigate. And then I have, and I'm not, I'm not gonna cover like the nurse and stuff this is just our main cast of characters this is to refresh isaac also we both have been removed from our last viewing of alien 3000 by at least like five days if not two weeks depending on the person here so i i have a lot of notes and i have a lot of written down i'm confident that i remember all of alien 3000 isaac is catching up but he's not you're not like miles behind or anything you know what's going on no i have a pretty good idea um and i did have notes but my notes were all singed by the rift yeah i don't think anything physical other than like a person or like a being can go through there except for me apparently i kept my bra sick 
So that's good. <laughs> that is sick. <laughs> you, you said that like I was supposed to have, I don't know, I, I didn't have an immediate response, but... The riff said you'd have a response. The riff can talk? <laughs> We're adding so much lore so early in the show. I realize, you know, some of my episodes that I recorded myself, I forgot to talk about about the rift. I've only recorded a couple other ones, but, you know, we're getting in there. We're, we're... You should really be careful about sending people into the rift twice. Yeah, I should really just, I should maybe like close it off between shows just to make sure people aren't just tumbling into my house. Might not be a bad idea. You know what else isn't a bad idea? <laughs> is Getting started. Transitions. And this transition is to McCool, Mr. Sergeant Scott McCool, who is the raddest man in the world. He's an army man. He's a sergeant, as I said. Sometimes they just call him Scott, which is a big downgrade from when they call him McCool. He, he likes Kate, but he's got a wife, and he's here to lead everybody to go get the alien or figure out what's in the cave because he doesn't really think it's an alien yet at the beginning. And then we got Phoebe, who is the worst. She's just, she's like if Jade from Victoria sucked. She's a mercenary who straight up just spends the entire movie acting against reason in order to be an edgelord. Uh, she's just there to get gold and trick people. Um... <laughs> She's also Kate's worst critic, despite just seeing everything that happens, but we'll get to that. Then we've got Mer Burke, not Merc, but Burke, who is male Phoebe. He's just he's just the same as Phoebe. He's just also mean to everybody and really wants the gold and has some cool bad guy lines and does cool bad guy stuff. Then we've got Lyle, who is one of the two investigators with the Bureau, and he doesn't like the woods and he's too trustworthy we'll say that and then we've got carla who is the other bureau agent and the first one introduced she has a degree in psychology as she says so she's she's qualified for this alien hunt and she is going to the aliens she's going to get to the alien she's going to get to the bottom of the alien she's going to get to the alien's bottom she's a dependable teammate who's there trying her best and coming to terms with the existence of aliens. And then there's Stracker, who is the mercenary with big guns. He is his own worst enemy and is awful at stealth. He's very confident. Then we've got Wilkins, who's just Discount McCool. He's also from, like, the Bureau, but he's mainly from the Army. He's just this big blonde dude. He's just kind of a dude. And then we've got Biggs, who is Stracker again, but more low-key and an actual professional. But he's also just kind of, he's got the same kind of dirty energy that Wilkins has. He's just kind of greasy. That That's that's what I would call the main cast of characters we got here. And do you, do you, have, a, do you have any favorites? Do you have any standouts right now before we... Before we get into plot, just anybody that you're like rooting for as we go into the movie, like that's my guy. Uh, there was there was two characters really in the movie that I really uh quite enjoyed. Top guy number one was Lyle. That's his name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lyle. I I really liked Lyle. Lyle was my favorite character. I feel like he was one of the better actors in this movie. 
Uh, and I feel like he, I feel like he was one of the more funnier characters, uh, just because he's one of those serious characters that say funny things, but in a serious tone, and it gives you that sense of comedy of like, hee hee, that's not usually said in a serious tone. I don't like the woods, you can't even take a decent shit out here. Yeah, um, and then second favorite character is probably, uh, McCool, who you were calling him, Cool McNasty. I wish his name was Cool McNasty, <laughs> but no, his uh, name is Sergeant Scott McCool. Yeah, Sergeant Scott McCool, because uh, they were definitely going to have him and the main character hook up until obvious reasons we get to later, um, because he was like, oh yeah, ex-wife, son, hard to take care of when you're an army dad, that kind of stuff. Oh, was it an ex-wife? Yeah, yeah, they were divorced at that point. Oh, shoot. I think I thought he was still married. No, it was, uh, either they got divorced or the wife died somehow. One of the two. Either way, he was womanless. Look, the movie isn't going to win any awards for character studies or, like, deep character dives, I feel like. So, it's not, it's not surprising that I forgot that he wasn't currently married and his wife is maybe dead. I guarantee you that doesn't come up in the notes. I just, I I guess the few things I'm going to remember are going to be small and mundane items. That's fine, you know, because that's what I'm not going to remember, probably. Woohoo! But I've got, I've got a general outline. So we start out, we start out this movie just with this monster energy, Call of Duty, neon fonted title. We, we love opening with like, two minutes of credits like it's 2002 and this is another like superhero movie at the time then we get in there and we get introduced immediately immediately the first thing we get to see is a man heavily breathing and creeping on his friends who are having sex in the woods and he's just watching in binoculars and like giving them a little like a little moany quiet pep talk it's really weird (laughs) i really don't like that this is how the movie starts but you don't have to get attached to these (laughs) these people especially not mr binoculars man it's it's fine they they hear a noise and they go over and they're like ah what what is that and they're like oh it's it's look at this cave and they're only slightly annoyed by the way by just the pure sexual harassment like they come up and they they come up to the guy and 100 percent know what he was doing and they're just they're just kind of an they they react the way you would react if somebody like used your cereal bowl like that level of outrage instead of being like why were you trying to watch us have sex in the woods it was more acceptable back in 2004 i guess it was just you know funny prank to play on your friend watch him and his girlfriend fuck in the woods <laughs> <laughs> you can you can take a video of it on your 2004 144p camera you can upload it to i don't know i don't know what you did in 2004 i was a toddler <laughs> like i said they say did that thing just open up one of the dudes in this group which is a great way to react to a new cave that you had noticed i love that line uh i don't want to hang out with any of these people though then they they go up they want to investigate this cave and they're looking around and then they get blown by some wind 
and they're looking around and they find gold and the gold is kind of just just laying it's not like hidden it's not like deep in the cave it's just kind of laying there it's like 25 feet in the cave it's like 20 feet into the cave the, the wind the wind comes after they find the gold actually they find the gold they're looking through it the zane character says something along the lines of diddle my balls that's gold or diddle my ass that's gold and it's just a pile of generic gold there's coins there's egyptian looking stuff there's like arabic looking like genie lamps it's it doesn't make any sense. It's just random stuff they got. And mind you, it doesn't look like actual gold items. No, this is like the gold stuff you'd find in like Dollar Tree, where it's just kind of shiny or yellow. <laughs> these are the these are the props for your kids' pirate themed birthday party. <laughs> but <laughs> just slightly shinier. Also, I'm ninety percent sure because so let me get back to where we are they find the gold and then they feel a strong gust of wind it's never explained that part of the movie's never explained why this comes with the alien when they're in the cave but there's just a strong gust of wind and they look and they're like you know oh what what what's that out there and i i swear it's a different monster design i paused it a couple times i don't know if you noticed it but if you pause it right after he's uh right after the first group notices the alien that starts running towards them it's like four-legged and its neck and head look like that of like a crocodile it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't look like the actual alien yeah i know what you're talking about it's the first invisible cgi model they use at the very beginning right where he's like still in the cave yeah, it's when he starts wa- coming yeah, after them. Yeah, it looks like a. It looked like if you took the Covenant from Halo and put them with four legs and then made their neck longer. That's kind of what it looked like. Yeah, it, I was really confused when I when I saw it because I just thought to myself, I was like, that is not what I remember the Alien Three Thousand Alien looking like. That's so strange. And then later on, I just I saw the actual alien. I'm like, oh. No, they just they just had a random other alien asset. They filmed the beginning and then found the asset they used to the rest of the movie. We're like, wait, we have to use this cooler one. This one's <laughs> so much cooler. They're like, we got that we got that cool practical effects suit over there for the real alien. So we'll just use this dumb CG model over here. We'll just throw that into the invisible scene. Nobody'll notice nobody'll see it cuz it's it's obscured by cave darkness rock cave rocks so this this team that we just got to know we just got to love immediately just gets zane just gets its intestines pulled out and then we cut to the psych ward where we see Katie she's the girl from a different dead group that i mentioned before we get another sex creep immediately in her nurse he comes up and he talks to her just in the worst tone for no reason she seemingly like just got there and this guy is doing this to her we see her sitting in this just rec room or general area and she's got this other girl with her who is kind of seems to be her roommate or whatever or she's just always in this general room that she hangs out in and i love that 
they're trying to show that this woman is crazy. So their way of doing that is just she's constantly using the TV remote, but they don't have any TV audio or anything. So the implication is that this lady's just fidgeting with a TV remote at the wall. I don't like being in the psych ward. There's an alien. All right. That's basically the yeah, interaction boiled uh, down. <laughs> the nurse comes in and is like, you know, I can make it worth your while if you uh, do a little something for me. And she's like, fuck off, Jared, whatever the fuck his name is. Well, no clue. I don't know if you ever get to find out his name. And that's the end of that scene. I think after that, it cuts to the, the government building, right? Yes, I have that. I have that next. Don't forget a classic Alien 3000 line. Before we cut away, Kate gets her food. It's mentioned that it's like nasty food. And then her roommate, who hasn't said anything, just looks at her and screams, you gonna eat that fucking shit? But all one word and really fast. And then they hard cut to the bureau. And there's two buff army boys, are Wilkins and Biggs, and a woman who just has like assistant manager vibes. I don't know her name, but she's some kind of leadership in the bureau. And we're they're sitting down with Carla, the one with the PhD in psychiatry. And they're basically just telling her, hey, you've got to go to this psych ward. You have to talk to this girl. She says that she's having visions and it like lines up with what's happening. And people keep dying at this cave that she died at. So we got to figure out what's going on. Also, this isn't like a normal like FBI bureau or anything. It's like a paranormal. It's just a like generic paranormal bureau. The strange incidents branch of the FBI or some shit like that. I think like there's a sign or or when it comes up in the bottom left, like with the location name and everything, I think it says something along the lines of just supernatural bureau or something like that and it's just ah then that's that's a very clever name then that's all they talk about they just say that in a roundabout way they talk about how bad the deaths were it doesn't really matter and then we get back to the ward and carla's here uh, i'm skipping right over the beginning because it's just the nurse character being the nurse character again and he gets the roommate out of the room with the with a dangling tv remote carla and lyle come in and they're just smoking in front of the no smoking sign they give her a cigarette too they get her all comfortable they talk to her about the newest murders at the cave she's been having dreams about it she says you know she's cursed by the alien's gold she touched it and now it's coming after her i think it was actually this scene that made me say like oh the main actress is actually not bad. I think the main actress is solid. I think she rises above the movie a bit. It was the same issue we ran into when we uh, watched The Amazing Bulk. Is like There's always one or two actors in these films we watch of people who are actually like pretty good at acting. Thank you. Thank you. They are films, not movies. Oh, sorry. Films. No, that's what you called it. I was saying thank you for, for giving the respect needed for these films. Oh, I did say that. You did. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, that's the issue we always run into in these films is that there there's always one or two really good actors that you're just like, how did they get here? You know, what steps in their life took them here? I mean, I guess everyone had to start somewhere. 
I like to think that for both this and the bulk, they just had like a friend who was also in the movie and they just did it for that friend and then just stayed on only to like hang out with them between shots because otherwise, I don't know. Because I would think that somebody with that kind of like level would be able to look at the movie and be like, I, I don't, I don't think I should be in this. I don't think my career is going to survive <laughs> if I'm in this movie. And then there's a sad scene. She's crying. She's freaking out about the cave and everything. And then they dismiss. They say that they're going to get a team together. They're going to figure it out. And we cut to another cave segment, another little brain blast from Kate. And there's just two guys going into the cave in the middle of the night. They've got flashlights. And this is like the worst example in the whole movie. But it happens a couple times that I wrote down where they just obviously replace the audio in post like it sounds like the one guy talks and it's normal audio and then the guy that has his back turned to the camera will talk and it sounds like he's talking in a bathroom like he's it's recorded in a booth and they just shot it over to the movie this it happens later but this is the one where i was like bruh this guy straight up sounds like he's in a different like country recording this line right now they go in I wrote down for this one, actually, I wrote down, it looks like a halo alien with spooky eye. (laughs) (laughs) So then the alien shoots the man with his friend's gun. He runs up. It doesn't matter, by the way, what else happens. I skip through these parts because they, all that you need to know is the alien gets them because they either want gold or are in his cave. He doesn't want people to have his gold. Or be in his cave. Don't touch his money. Don't go in his house. There's only two rules. <laughs> they're, they're pretty standard rules, actually. I think he's a pretty reasonable guy. Other than the whole mauling and, and murdering stuff. I think otherwise, I can totally understand where he's coming from. So he, he comes up, shoots the other... He shoots one guy with another man's gun because he is invisible. Comes after them. He's about to take this guy out. The guy kind of smoke bombs him and then he walks out of the smoke and he's not phased and we see his true form. He's just suddenly humanoid. He's suddenly bipedal and he suddenly looks a lot better. I mean, not not to give this movie too much credit, not super better, but better, somewhat better. And then we get uh, a look back with Kate and her roommate trying to use the remote on her all of a sudden. And then we just kind of cut back. That scene doesn't last very long at all. She's just there to wake up and be shocked by the people dying in her dream, but not a dream and everything. Her premonitions, her that's so raven moments. And then we get to the heli boys. We get the helicopter boys. Do you remember what is happening in this scene, Isaac? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. This scene is great. I love it because <laughs> all it is right here, I I know I know why you don't remember this scene now because I scrolled down a little bit and I remember this the one that's just one sentence long. <laughs> we see Wilkins and Biggs in the in a helicopter coming over to investigate. They come to investigate and they come down, they're about to land to help this guy who just smoke bombed the alien 
and then the alien like comes up they don't they don't see him because he's still invisible and it just rips the guy it just like tears the guy to shreds like in half or whatever he becomes blood mist screams and then the helicopter boys just like fly off casually they're just "Mm, well i guess this assignment is canceled yeah i i remember the scene now i just i needed to have my memory jogged about it yeah that was a very strange scene I didn't realize for a second, I was like, oh, what, you don't remember the helicopter boys scene? I'm like, oh, this isn't, like, the main one. They're just in here for, like, two seconds. But I, I did love that man becoming blood mist, and they just didn't care. They were just like, well, another day. I just punched my desk. <laughs> well. <laughs> just destroy the audio on that one. So then we go back to the ward after she's woken up and everything. Lyle and Carla come up again, and they say that they lost special forces agents in that one. That's who those people were. They were special. They were a couple of special force boys, and once again, you know, Kate is still preaching the same, preaching to the same choir about the same stuff, talking about there's an alien, gold, I'm cursed, people die, I see people die, and Lyle and Carla are still kind of like, uh huh sure lady carla's not as much but i feel like lyle is still at the level of like "Mm," which i mean is fair because we are talking about a gold-eating invisible alien in a cave but still we get this whole interaction about all the things that have happened how they've lost the people how they're going to get a group together it's very similar to the first ward scene and we end it with her ward mate saying that the reason why all this is happening is because kate is evil and the way she says that is just by yelling you're evil a few times with uh varying amounts of pauses between she yells you're evil at her like four times and then just kind of shrivels into herself and we get to the crew we're here we're finally out in the desert hunting aliens we got the real characters we got stracker we got ranger janeway okay i said we had the real characters but we also have ranger janeway who is the guy who just looks like walter white he gets ditched at the beginning he's told to leave he's told that all they needed him for was to get them to the right area phoebe ever charming tells him to go quote fuck a squirrel nature boy and he leaves (laughs) Yeah, I was. I felt bad for that guy because he seemed like so excited to be on this mission. He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get to do something important with all the badass mercenary guys." And then he just gets told to fuck off by everyone there. Like, "Yeah, we just need you to find a place in the woods. You can go, just leave. We don't really care." They're not even like against Phoebe at this point at all. They're just like, "Yeah, leave." But don't worry, he gets his time to shine later for like one minute. But still time to shine so then we get to the crew talking a bit more and we get mccool mentioning his name first of all he says sergeant mccool and i wrote sergeant mccool with four question marks because that's how that name hit me then they said scott and i i only put one question mark on scott because scott isn't as exciting i mean isn't it obvious he's so cool he's he's so cool his name is scott and then we get (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's the part that I thought was just tremendously awesome and very cool. Scott, you know what I'm talking about. This is just completely off the rails already. Then we get Stracker just 
randomly telling everybody about his gun, his big old rifle. He says that it's called Mr. SS, which I was scared for a second because I couldn't remember what his reasoning was. And I was just for a moment in my head, I just went, wait, SS, is he an, is, is Stracker a Nazi? And then he goes, hey, it stands for shitting salesman, he claims. He says that it stands for shitting salesman because he he just pulls it out. He just threatens every salesperson at his door with a literal gun. I mean, I would be effective, I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, being someone who did sales in the past, that would 100% just cause me to tip my hat and say have a good day, sir, and leave. And not even attempt what I was even there to do. Yeah, no, I mean, it would work, but I don't know if I'd be doing that to everybody, you know. Look out there, see if it's like an old man I'm going to give a heart attack to, <laughs> putting a rifle to his face. I don't know. Some fucking, some Girl Scouts, I'm just pointing. Point the shotgun out the door because some salesmen are here. <laughs> Age does not matter. Girl Scouts will be affected as well. <laughs> I, you know what, I don't doubt that this character would put a gun to a Girl Scout if they came to his doorstep. Agreed. I don't know. I mean, he's a bit goofier, though. He's not, he's not quite as a loose cannon as, like, Phoebe or Burke. He's a little bit pulled back from that. You know, he just, he plays paintball. But <laughs> we get the car, they're driving out, they gotta get even further. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because the ranger was told that he brought them to the right area and then they like drive for a little montage of time and go across some hills so i guess the ranger wasn't that helpful and then they get to the correct area this time they get another fun adr audio replacement moment with stracker yelling it's the monster from his studio apartment and then they try to just cover his mouth he's just goofing around though the monster is not there yet, and if he was, Stracker wouldn't know it. Ooh. <laughs> because they copied Predator. So we get the team talking. We get them just bouncing off each other with beautiful, amazing, plot-advancing dialogue about how Phoebe is going to kill the alien, and McCool, I've got it written down right here. McCool is a divorced dad with a kid. Yeah. There we go. It's right there. It says it says it right in right in plain ink right there. And you didn't even know. What a dumbass. I just don't think it's important. He doesn't give any divorced dad energy and it doesn't really affect anything about the movie that he is a divorced dad. Either way, he's a dad. And he's also the coolest perfect man i'm assuming he's just like the writer's self-insert into this movie just he sees himself in scott mccool burke and phoebe get introduced after this talking scene where everybody's talking but they're not really talking about anything they're just kind of making different statements about how they're gonna kill an alien or how there maybe isn't an alien and then we just we get a beautiful character moment. We get to know Burke and Phoebe because they're having sex in the tent in the middle of the camp. It's just the strangest sex scene because they're just like laying vertical on top of each other in the same sleeping bag. The The dirty talk is, it's. I think it's supposed to be comedy. 
I think they were supposed to be doing a joke, but it doesn't really land. So it's just like really strange. Do you remember what they're saying? Are they talking about like what they're going to do with the future plans? Like after they get the gold? They're talking about the money and Burke is like close. He's about to get done with his little adventure in the camping trip right here, if you know what I'm saying. The way that he gets he gets over the edge is talking about what he's going to do with the money and talking about who he's going to be richer than. And he says, I'm going to be richer than that computer guy. And he's almost there. And then he says, I'm going to be richer than Jeff Foxworthy. And he like breaks in the middle of the word Foxworthy. Yeah, and he's like, down. Jeff Foxworthy. Which, which implies that this man just ejaculated to the thought of Jeff Foxworthy. That man convinced me, at least in that moment, that he was really into the idea of being at least slightly richer than comedy legend Jeff Jeffrey Foxworthy. Do you think when they went to go film that scene, they gave him a script that said that? Or do they think they just went, hey, uh, during the sex scene, name off a few people that have a lot of money. And that's just the last guy that this actor could think of. And that's the take that they went with was the one where he says Jeff Foxworthy at the end. Before that, he had Larry the Cable Guy. He even said Bill Ingvall. He said them all. At one point, he said Jeff Bezos, but they had to cut that out because nobody knew what the fuck he was talking about. It was 2004, yeah. Right. He, was, he wasn't he was doing Amazon that hard yet. I don't even know if Amazon was open yet in 2004. Probably not. Hopefully not. Maybe it was a pre-Amazon world. But while, while all this is happening, while Burke is... Realizing his dream of being richer than Jeff Foxworthy. Kate is having another, yet another, Alien 3000 killing people in a cave vision. We get the return of the your evil girl in the form of part of the Kate dream. is just her back yelling, you're evil. And then we're back on the trail. We kind of just end that scene and we're walking out in the woods. They're trying to like seemingly trying to stay stealthy unless in case there's something like a threat in the woods around them and Stracker just randomly pulls out this bazooka looking thing that he's been holding and just shoots it out of nowhere and then is surprised that Lyle is like shocked and like jumps back a little bit and is like what the hell was that and he just goes hey it's just a paintball gun it's just the world's largest, loudest paintball Yeah, gun. this thing is fucking huge. It's like if you taped four 12-can soda cartons together. That is the size of the, just this absolute unit of a cannon. It's literally just a paintball bazooka, and Stracker just acts like it's just a normal gun. He's just, he's shocked. It's, it's as if he had, like, a water gun. It's like, what? Everybody's got one of these. Everybody's got one of these. I, I use it at my paintball club. I think he says club. He's he's part of some kind of paintball-related organization. But then we get a little bit more talking after we get past the paintball. We talk about the alien, and Phoebe is just dunking on Kate about how she's crazy, and she doesn't know anything, and how if there is a monster out there, they'll just... They'll just shoot him. And Stracker says the same thing. 
because those that's all they know how to say at the beginning of the movie is just that they are going to shoot an alien and they do not believe Kate who has been giving confident warnings about murders that that do happen and has like knowledge that she wouldn't have if she wasn't having actual visions but nobody believes her ever until later in the movie it and it doesn't make any sense and it's very frustrating i felt secondhand frustration for kate where i was just like she has so much evidence i yeah i was frustrated throughout the entire movie up until the the point that just no one believed her despite the overwhelming amount of evidence through the entire movie like two of the characters literally watch someone get ripped in half by an invisible being I feel like that in itself is, like, enough evidence for them to come back and be like, yo, uh, yeah, we should have watched this happen. Yo, we just saw a man turn into blood mist, and we we saw nobody (laughs) around him, but we didn't question it. We just had to go home. It was time for lunch break, so... (laughs) Yeah, no, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating that she is our main character, and yet she gets absolutely zero respect. Absolutely nobody believes her on any point so they're going around they're looking around they finally find the cave and they find another dead guy outside the cave entrance from one of kate's visions they decide they're going to get an infrared camera they're going to go up there they're going to go up in like little teams and they start off with burke and phoebe who go in there they just immediately complain that it's cold it's cold in this cave because it's a cave they're all up there by the way it's just phoebe and burke are the ones that go push into the cave more they're all kind of at the front of the cave into the little beginning of it burke and phoebe find the gold pile the wind has picked up again the wind has picked up again now that burke and phoebe have seen the gold they've zeroed in on it they've got their terminator eyes on the only thing they care about the the crew is ready for whatever this wind is and it's a bat it's a bat there's a bat fake out there's a bat fake out like three times in this movie did the bat fake out get you at all no (laughs) no because the thing about this bat fake out is that it's not like scary and at this point this is the third time it's happened it happened at the very beginning of the movie it happened with the second pair of guys that went in and one of them became bloodness later this is the third time it's happened and no other audio plays when this bat attack happens. The only audio that's playing is the <laughs> flapping of the bat wings. Every now and again, you get a squeak and the music that goes, dun, dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun, dun-dun, that the whole time. And there's there's no noises of the uh, people like making any noises. There's no noises of them moving around, even though they're like freaking the fuck out. It's just, it's baffling that I don't understand how hard it was to mix audios. I wrote down for that scene that they literally use the same exact shot over and over of them swatting the bat. Like you can tell when the shot restarts and they cut back to the same shot of just, ah, 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 and just waving at the bat to make it look like action and make it look like they're really struggling. But yeah, no joke. You can very clearly see the edits where they just cut in three of the same thing. We we get out of the cave. Burke and Phoebe come out and they're like, there's, whew, that was crazy, guys. There's nothing in there. There's no gold. We don't want the gold at all. And then they get out. They're talking about everything. Lyle 
and Carla split off for a second. Lyle's mad. He hates the woods. He hates trying to take shits in the woods, as I've mentioned. He's just mad. He's also kind of clueless. He doesn't really suspect Phoebe when Carla brings it up. Carla's like, hey, keep an eye out. And he's just kind of dismisses it and then goes on. You know, they don't seem like double crossers to you, Lyle. He, she doesn't seem a little bit sus. And he, he goes off. Even though he hates taking shits in the woods, he goes off to take a shit in the woods. Burke and Phoebe see this and they decide to make this a true horror movie and kill the only black character in the entire movie immediately. They just point at him and they're ready to just murder a man out of nowhere, only purely for gold that they don't even know the worth of or anything. I mean, it could just it could just be fake gold, you guys. You don't even know and you're murdering for it. But, you know, he goes out there dumping. He's just taking a dump and Phoebe straight up comes up and murders him. In the most awkward way possible, <laughs> mind you. He's, he's dumping and his toilet paper disappears and then he like gets up and he's looking around and he's like, oh man. And then Phoebe shows up in front of him and is like, missing this and then like right before he grabs the toilet paper chucks it away and then just starts stabbing him to death in the stomach i don't know why she felt the need to have like a one-liner before just murdering i don't know why she didn't just come up and murder this man if she was gonna do it phoebe needs a little bit of theatrics we cut back to the camp for a second and everybody's just talking and burke with his giant huge brain decides that the best way to distract everybody is by setting up a tiny tripwire and then clearly just stepping, not even subtly at all, just big marching band step into it in clear view of Kate, who is just watching him step into this little tripwire. Everybody's in conversation. Then Phoebe screams in the woods and then runs out and is like, oh, they got Lyle. They got Lyle. And she's covered in blood. And they all, you know, run over there and they're looking at it. And Stracker's like, ah, shit, I would have Mr. SS'd him and everything. And then they just cut to after this in the tents again. They're back in tents. And McCool and Kate are in the tent together. McCool's talking about his ex-wife. And then talking about how how Phoebe is, you know, not going to get punished despite both Kate and McCool clearly, obviously knowing that she murdered Lyle because they talk about like the family and everything. And then McCool lays down and Kate's still sitting up and she's like, you know, that wasn't an alien that killed Lyle, right? And he's just, I know. And they just. He just goes go to, to bed. They just go to bed. No justice for my man Lyle. He just says, I know. And they move on with Phoebe still being in their group for some reason. And we're back to the Bureau. After, by the way, the alien comes by. He's he's just he's prowling around the he's prowling around the tents, but he's not doing anything. And then we're back at the bureau, and the lady at the bureau shows the army men an alien body. She's got like an alien body ready for the autopsy. She explains that this this alien is like very hard to examine because it's an alien, 
and they don't they haven't figured anything out about it but it seems to be able to keep itself invisible it's like made of some sort of invisible alien goop and she says that they put radioactive paint on it to keep it visible i don't know why she mentions that it's radioactive she just kind of puts that in there it looks kind of nice for a practical creature like it looks all right the little dead alien right he looks okay yeah i mean <laughs> I, I didn't realize you were uh trying to cue me in there yeah i mean it, it looks pretty okay because in this scene at least they didn't use like a cgi animation for the alien they actually had a full I don't know if it was a costume or like a prop, but they had like an actual prop of an alien on this table. And it looks pretty cool. It, in terms of scenes of the movie, this one's actually more one of the more well-done scenes because it actually looks really cool. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was rad. If you want to Yeah, I mean, I'll take, I'll take over, this yeah. over. So, yeah, she's she's kind of discussing about like, you know, I can't get through to it. I I've, I've only figured out that it's able to keep itself invisible and stuff like that. Um and then Burke and what's the other guy's name? Biggs, Biggs not Burks. No, Biggs. Biggs and Wilkins. Biggs and Wilkins, sorry. Uh, Biggs and Wilkins, they leave the room for a moment, and then the the girl goes back over to the alien body, and then, surprise, surprise, the alien isn't dead and starts to, like, take over her body with, like, some sort of weird telekinesis thing. Uh, Wilkins and Brit Biggs, they come back in, and they've got guns drawn, and the alien's, like, holding her as some sort of puppet, and he's like, uh, the alien starts talking via uh, the girl as a puppet. And he's like, those things aren't going to hurt me. They're only going to da- damage me for momentarily, but they can't kill me. I'm too strong. My whole planet is coming where these ancient creatures who have been there for trapped for thousands of years. And our, our people were eventually going to come save us. And you can't hurt me. So I highly advise you just let me out of here and I won't hurt you. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. Sure, we can do that. So then the alien starts to like walk towards the door with the puppet when I can't remember which one of the two did it, but they like pulled out a grenade and just chucked it in there and shut the door. And then when they do that, the alien goes and then it cuts out to the outside of the building uh, and it blows the fuck up. So it's it's assumed at that point that they have killed that alien, which they at this point have now found out that explosions can kill the alien and what do they do with this information? They tell no one. They do not mention this to a single person in the movie that explosions do damage and could potentially kill these aliens. At that point, they run out and they're like, hey, we gotta go get these other guys. If this is what they're dealing with, even though they only fought it, they didn't really even fight it, they killed it immediately, they went, whoa, this thing's way too strong. If this is what they're dealing with, we need to go help them immediately. So they get in their helicopter and they start riding back. And at this point, it's an hour until they arrive at the camp and shit goes down in this hour kyle do you want to take back over what happens after this i can for a moment at least phoebe and i wrote down phoebe and guy but phoebe and burke are debating about how they're going to get get all the gold and how far they're gonna go they seem for a second to be phoebe more so is going towards the the route of just let's murder them all let's just murder all of them and then they just quickly decide that that's a little too far that they're just going to go loot the cave and then kate comes up and tries to convince them at gunpoint that the gold is cursed and that they need to stop and that they need to be like team players also i need to mention that kate holds holds her gun 
in this goofy she looks like a t-rex did you notice how she yeah she doesn't her? really know how to hold the gun and just just to add on at this point they're in the cave they're not in the cave when he when she points the gun at yeah yeah they are because they're in there looting and then kate comes up and is like fuckers oh right they're talking about they're talking about the murder and then when they're talking about the looting they've gone into the cave yeah right okay they're talking about looting the cave while they're gonna loot the cave that that makes a lot more sense and then kate comes up yeah tries to convince them that the gold is cursed right because they're at th- this this makes more sense in my mental picture now because yeah mccool comes up with a sideways gun like over kate and tells burke to stop so now you know it's 2v2 kate is really not effective in her effort to try to convince everybody and also her effort to not sound crazy because as much as it does frustrate me that the other characters don't believe her, she also could be like 90% less vague when she talks about it. And also stop using a tone with the alien like you know it. Like she'll talk about it and she'll be like, he's coming for me and he will not stop. And I'm like, you gotta stop. You gotta stop personifying the alien. It makes you sound like you're making him up. Makes him sound like a character you came up with. McCool radios to the Heli boys. He tells them we're at base camp. That's when we find out that they're an hour away and everything. Biggs and Wilkins, we cut to them talking for a minute, reeling from everything that just happened. Also, Biggs calls, I wrote down Biggs, he refers to the aliens as the ancient ones. I don't know. Did did the alien call himself one of the ancient ones? Is yeah, that that's what uh, okay. that's what I was talking about in that scene. I wrote they that said down they've like, been there for like thousands of years. Right, they've been around for thousands of years. I just couldn't remember if they used that terminology. But uh, Wilkins said that thing said it's been alive for three hundred years eating gold, which <laughs> is a great line. <laughs> um, they say yeah, it'll be an hour. They say that like three times in three scenes in a row. They say they they have to mention that it's going to be an hour before they get there. So we know this is still, they still got time for action. They get back to the group and the alien has come to the camp. Everybody is back after they stopped Phoebe and everything. And the alien has come to the camp and they've kind of set it up, right? Like they've got it set up to where it's, coming for kate but they're gonna stop it if it actually comes to hurt kate like kate's kind of a bait for everybody else they don't do that yet okay everybody listening um you just have to know a lot of the scenes in this movie blend together because a lot of them are basically the same scene three times yeah this this movie really likes repeating itself you could watch this movie and then be asked to recite the movie directly after you watch it and you would also get scenes mixed up i had to watch this movie three times and make three sets of notes and they're still somewhat disjointed because it's just it's just the same things it's just characters saying the same things and doing the same things and then getting murdered by aliens. Yeah, I can I can take over this part if you want. Yeah, I have some of this written down, but you can you can take over. Okay, just cut me off if I start going the wrong direction. I promise you you won't go in the, okay. <laughs> more in the wrong direction than me 
who just skipped to a different scene. <laughs> okay, so we're back at camp. Uh, you are correct. We are back at camp at this point. Phoebe and Briggs, what's his name? Phoebe. Burke. 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 Biggs is one of the helicopter Sorry, boys. Sorry, so I, th- I thought his name was Burke. Okay, so Phoebe and Burke, they're, uh, they've, they've had their guns taken away at this point, and they're kind of sitting down, and they decided to bring the gold back to the camp for some reason, even though Kate was like, hey, that's not a good idea. And McCool was like, at the, for some reason, the McCool at this point is just like, shut the fuck up, Kate. So they brought the gold back to the camp, um, and... I think he... I think he thinks that he's protecting everybody by like keeping everyone calm and and not antagonizing Burke and Phoebe, even if they're just being the worst. He's like, hey, it's fine. Just let him be like that. Just let him get away with murder. I mean, they have their guns gone now. They're not even a threat. So I think maybe Sergeant McCool is just a just a bad leader so then yeah they're all they're all at the camp and then something actually sets off the tripwire this time not one of them trek trek kai kai man with ss shotgun can't remember his name stracker stracker kai uh, kai. <laughs> so stracker uh he's the first one to kind of grab his gun and get up to the front and he's like well i don't see anything and he says uh you know i think i saw a bird and then like turns around and he starts laughing and then you see a hand plunge through his stomach and everyone's like, holy fucking shit, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, and then Stracker's dead, and they're shooting it for a while, but they're having a hard time, obviously, because they can't see it. Phoebe and Burke convince McCool to give them their guns back so they can participate. And Phoebe and Burke at this point are like, hey, just so you know, we're, we're getting away with this gold. And McCool's like, oh, I don't care at this point. We just need to kill this thing. Um, and, of course, the whole time, Kate's like, no, stop, you know, because her whole thing is put the gold back where it was. She's also not helping at this point. At all. If I remember right, she's just kind of screaming in the corner. Yes. She's not, she's not trying to defend it. Yeah. So then at this point, this is when, because the alien runs off for a while. At this point, they're discussing a plan of action. They're like, what do we do? What can we do to try and kill this thing? This is when Burke and Phoebe suggest that they use Kate as bait. First, you know, McCool's like, no, we are definitely not fucking doing that. And the other bureaucrat uh, agent, the one that's still alive, her name. Oh, Carla. Yeah, Carla. She's also like, no, we're not fucking doing that. That's stupid. And then Kate all of a sudden's like, you know what? That's probably the best idea that we have right now, so let's do it. And Phoebe's like, fuck yeah. Glad that the crazy bitch is finally agreeing with me, even though it has been proven at this point she's not crazy. Yeah, she's still calling her, like, the psycho bitch and all this. And it's just like, no signs have pointed to her being wrong at any point here. Like, she's just a little bit, you know, frazzled by all this murder she keeps witnessing every (laughs) single night of her life. So then this is when an item that you thought was going to be useless in this movie actually ends up being very useful, ends up being the main point. And that is Stracker's paintball cannon. At some point, right before the ambush started, I can't remember if it was Burke or Phoebe or who brought it up, but one of them went, hey, wait a minute, Stracker had a paintball cannon. What if we shoot the alien with the paintball cannon so we can see him? And everyone was like, holy shit, that's a great idea. It's kind of like a collective idea, if I remember right. They're all just kind of like talking about it. And I, I think it's McCool who brings up the paintball gun and then they're all just Oh, wait, if we paint it, we can see it. Because then they can shoot in the direction of Kate when she's being bait and not actually hurt her. Maybe yeah, not. I mean, they're trying to get the invisible thing to come over so they can get stuff on it so that they can see it. Because, again, this is just the movie Predator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
do you want to do you want to take over at this point? I don't I don't remember exactly what happens after that. We get the group putting this together, just kind of lining up, standing around, getting ready with their guns and everything. And the ghost alien comes to the camp. This is the part that I was at that I thought was the part, but now now we're really here and it's circling like a shark. We see it from its perspective, just like whooshing animal vision. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but a lot of like shows and movies do the same kind of thing when it's like vision for like a creature or animal where like the audio gets weird and everything's kind of shifty, but it's also infrared. Which they use the same footage like four times at the end of the movie. <laughs> they, they sure do love reusing footage, these men. They liked the shots they got. They got some beautiful shots and they just wanted to keep them and they wanted to make sure people didn't miss them. So they just plopped them in there a few times. So we get it circling and nobody's sure where it is, even though it keeps stepping really hard onto the ground and leaving really clear, obvious, completely in the shape of its feet, footprints all in the sand. But nobody really looks at them. They're just kind of like, I think I hear it. It comes up to Kate and it's kind of getting closer and closer and they really, they didn't have to wait as long as they did when it comes up to her either. It kind of gets like straight in her face before they do anything about it or she like gets out of the way. She, first of all, goes full bully McGuire on him and puts some dirt in his eyes and then she jumps to the side. They blast it with some, with a bit of paint then we get the alien just not doing anything when he's getting shot. They, you know, they, they show him, they show him with all his glory when they get, when he gets paint shot, but then he's just, he's just getting shot and it, it doesn't affect him. We already knew it doesn't affect him. He explained at the army place, he's explaining it now. Well, that wasn't him, but you know, they're all the same. They all look the same and they all have the same powers these aliens the best way to describe this cgi model they're using for this alien is like you know those games in the arcade where you like grab the gun from the front and you play it and it's just you shooting the gun like any of those games the 3d models that walk towards you as enemies that is the perfect example of what the cgi model looks like it looks like an alien game one of those where you would just pick up the fucking big ass laser blaster and fire while it's walking towards you and you have to hit his weak points no, yeah, that's that's a great description, actually. It's a arcade alien painted poop green. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad also that they didn't they don't they don't shoot him with the paint, by the way. And like he turns orange or white or pink or like some normal bright paintball color. Stracker seemingly had like the perfect shade of poop green that the alien already was at the army base just loaded up in his gun because that's what we get i don't know if he if that's like just default paint color in this universe or if he just happened to also have that special kind of radioactive paint that the lady mentioned uh he, he didn't say anything about it I have, I have that, and then I, I cut to the helicopter boys scene. Yeah, okay, so... Uh, how, how hard of a cut is that? Because I feel like I'm, I'm missing something there. It's not really that bad of a cut. Basically, after they get done unloading their fucking clips into this alien, the helicopter flies over, and the bureaucrat lady goes, oh, thank fuck, and starts running for the helicopter. And then I can't remember oh, okay, how okay, right. or why, but it crashes. Why does it crash? <laughs> Oh, I see. Why does it crash? 
I love this scene. I love, I'm, I'm surprised you don't remember. You, I'm sure it'll jump back in your memory. But yeah, they come down. They see Carla's running towards them, waving her hands up, being like, hey, hey, this is where you need to land. And then out of, it looks like the way they edited it, it looks like it jumps out of like a bush. But the alien somehow like, jumps from the ground and lands on their helicopter windshield oh yeah no no no. this isn't the alien this is a second alien this is the re- no, reveal. yeah this is the reveal of the second alien because there ends up being two total aliens at the very end of this no yeah what? yeah remember because okay so we're gonna skip ahead a little bit the scene two yeah the scene where they're being chased on the truck there's multiple models running behind the truck towards them and like one goes oh. off the cliff with the truck. I thought that was the main. No, there were there, two aliens. No, I think there's a total of three at the very end. Well, but you can see it. They only blasted one alien with paint. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but multiple of them had. I mean, unless they can like clone themselves, but they used the same painted model until the painted model went and washed itself off with water which happens not too long after. But there was a, there was either two or three total aliens by the end of the movie. I, wow, that's a bombshell because <laughs> I didn't know that at all. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, by the end of the movie, there's more than two or three. But <laughs> not to spoil this masterpiece. <laughs> the, the alien who is apparently the second or third alien, (laughs) jumps up onto the, or first, actually, the original, jumps onto the helicopter's front and just freaks out the helicopter boys, understandably. And (laughs) the helicopter comes down, and it doesn't even come down that close to Carla, but when it comes down, Carla is blasted back and she just gets full Harvey Dent two-faced burnt to death by the helicopter crash. Yeah, she just dies. You don't expect her to. It's like, yeah, salvation's here. And then she's just fucking dead. Not the t- the two helicopter boys like casually hopped out of their helicopter. Like it didn't seem like it was that hard for them to survive. But then Carla, who isn't as close to the helicopter as them and like was blocking herself just gets demolished just gets destroyed and Biggs and Wilkins this part this part really got to me in terms of making absolutely zero sense because Carla runs over waves her arms she didn't run very far the helicopter explodes lands they jump out and then they act like they are miles away from the group yeah they don't even like yeah we're alone out here now we need to figure out how to survive and scavenge what we can it's like dude you're at least or at most like 40 feet away from a group of armed people it doesn't no it doesn't make a single second of sense especially because okay so yeah they crash and then wilkins gets up he looks around he calls for biggs biggs comes from over a hill again makes zero sense how did they get separated like that they they're talking and their entire conversation is like completely out of context from what we just saw they're like we gotta find that merc that tried to flag us down a minute ago we i have no clue where they went we're gonna have to take a trek up here and try to pick up on their trail and i just 
Yeah, I got no clue. Couldn't tell you. And Carla's body wasn't under like any rubble or anything. No, it was just chilling on on where she was standing. Yeah, they they find her body. They also just say like, "Oh, that's the one with the PhD." And then Wilkins tries to crack a joke. He's like, "That's what a PhD will get you." And they just gloss over it because. This man just made a joke over a burning corpse, like a still smoldering corpse. And he's like, wah, wow, that's wah, what a PhD will get you. <laughs> so they're going to have to go get supplies and they're going to have to get ready for just the insane trek that would make them get all the way back to that crew. And we cut back. We're back with our main people. And Isaac, what's uh, what's going on with them? What's their deal? At this point, they have agreed that they need to leave uh, because they have witnessed the helicopter crash and burn at this point. They... Super far away, too far away to go investigate. Well, they go to check, and this is when they find out that Carla died because uh, Mick Cool's like, oh, damn it. So I right think. Where the, right where the fucking army guys just were. Right. So then they decide that they need to go back to where um, the truck was. They need to go back to where they very first began this, where they told that one naturalist dude to fuck off. They need to go back there. And so they start making their way back there. Oh, and you, didn't, you didn't mention um, Burke just out of nowhere destroys the radio because he doesn't oh, want people yeah. to know about his gold stealing? It's not really explained. Like, they cut to the... After they cut to, like, McCool and talking about Carla and everything, when they come back to the camp, Burke is just beating beating the radio with a baseball bat. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. And then McCool comes in and he's like, nice job on the radio, Burke. I guess we're going to have to do this on foot since you've broken our only form of communication. And they're just like, yeah, we did that. Like, I don't, what are they, are they trying to die? Like, they've seen this thing murder, like, at least four people at this point. Are they trying to get themselves killed? Well, McCool... Yeah, McCool's disappointed. Do you mean them as a group or no, them as in Burke Phoebe and Burke? Burke and Phoebe. I think they're just really, really dumb. I think that's the implication, that they're just idiots who are gold-starved. That's And are fair. horrible at being in a team. So, so then, yeah, they make the decision to just go back to fucking the main place and it's like a montage of them walking back and they've said yeah you guys can keep the gold whatever the fuck y'all want to do we're just getting the fuck out of here and kyle this is probably one of the saddest parts in the movie at least for me mccool does not make it (laughs) he is the next victim of the alien i can't remember how he dies exactly so basically what happens is while they're walking burke is complaining about the government I haven't mentioned it because it's not really important, but whenever Burke is talking, he's either talking about gold, Phoebe, or the government. It's one of the three. And Phoebe is telling Kate that she, quote, should have done it in the cave, which is another thing just like the are you going to eat that fucking shit line from earlier where she says it all like one word. She says, should have done it in the cave. And then they're still walking. There's all this tension. They come around like, they come around some gold that they that they like dropped i believe and they pick it up and they just take it and kate's like no what did i tell you about gold stop having gold and they're like standing by this tree and from behind the tree the alien comes up and just grabs mccool's head and just squeezes and mccool's like 
eyes start to bleed and he just starts screaming do you remember this yeah yeah i know i know what you're talking about now yeah it's not like a quick death no this is like his skull gets crushed and the whole time kate's just like no straight straight up his skull gets like squished and pulled from his body and kate is freaking out but phoebe's reaction unsurprisingly is saying more for me mccool and then like running off like a cartoon villain we then cut to right after that like it's an immediate follow-up but they cut to them into the woods and phoebe and burke are there and they're like yeah we don't care i i don't care that mccool died from phoebe and then burke saying like hey that's a little much <laughs> like mccool was all right and phoebe's like yeah I guess he was uh, he was cooler than those other two government people. I guess. And, and Kate is with them. <laughs> like they could have just they could have just left Kate behind at this point because that's been their characters this entire film. They decide to stay with Kate this time. I don't it know. Doesn't they don't they don't give any justification. <laughs> and and then suddenly they're like, yeah, we'll split it with you three ways if we get out of here. It's like what? Why are you suddenly trying to like share this money? Like you guys have been bad people this whole movie. Now all of a sudden you're protecting the one person you didn't care about dying. And you're talking about, hey, if we get out of here, we'll split it with you. 30, 30, 30 each. I think it's just part of his evil plan or part of their evil plan of just like, we'll keep this person on because she might have insider knowledge and she's an extra gun. Like she's an extra person to help and then we'll dump her. We'll dump her once we're home free or whatever. I think that's more generally what we're going for. Then I, my next part that I had written down was the helicopter boys seeing Carla's corpse. So I guess that I had that like backwards a little bit. Mm -hmm. I guess I just had it. I had like that whole section and then I have that whole section basically written again because I have it ripped off Scott's head and all this. So now we're going to the heli boys again. They're journeying by the sun like our ancestors. They're walking around and what what are they what happens here, Isaac? Couldn't tell you, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> You're not helpful. They're looking around and they find Checks notes. <laughs> <laughs> I really have to check my notes because I messed it up. One of my I wrote down the Heli Boys and then I wrote down the rest of the Kate phoebe and burke scene like i'm writing about what i just said about we're gonna run off with the money and split it three ways or whatever come on oh okay so they're talking they they know that mccool is dead they're like oh the head of the group has been like murdered and everything we i i think they found his body yeah they found his body okay because i was like they know but they don't have a they don't have a radio but yeah they're on their path They've been following them around. The Heli Boys, despite knowing that the alien eats gold, it told them they still just have these golden swords. They pick up golden swords that were dropped around there, and they're just like, yep, these are going to work as our weapons. Even though Wilkins at that time was even saying, like, I think it just wants to eat gold. Like, I really think this thing just wants to eat, and I think it's like a territorial thing as he picks up and admires his new cool gold sword his new cool yummy tasty gold sword and it was at that point that i wrote down that i was predicting that wilkins was definitely going to die i would not be surprised and then 
guess what happens? He they dies. die. <laughs> the army guys don't, you know, get any time to you know, shine or anything. They get Wilkins gets murdered, ripped his head off. He falls on the ground. It looks like watermelon, <laughs> like a like a watermelon filled mannequin head, and it just gets squished. And the alien is like standing there looking at Biggs holding the sword like an old knight or something. I don't know if that's just how he holds it before he's just gonna Yeah, he's holding it up like he's getting ready to summon the lightning for Excalibur. It's it's very strange. I thought for a second at that point, I was like, okay, it kills Wilkins and then Biggs will get away. Biggs will like loop back with the group and we'll get even a single second of this movie where the army guys meet up with the crew that they came to see. But no, uh, the alien just quickly, without any like tension build, just cuts Biggs in half, kills him. He dies with a little tiny gasp like he just saw a cute picture. And then we cut back to the big three, the magnificent three left in the crew. And they're back to the truck. They finally got that. Phoebe says, looks like we've seen the last of that bug-eyed bastard. And they have no reason to believe that they've seen the last of the oogly-boogly. Absolutely not. Absolutely no evidence. They literally just saw this man rip their friend's head off. And they're just like, well, we made it to the truck. This is the end (laughs) of the journey. We're all good. Do you know what's happening now, Isaac? Do you know? Yes, I remember what happens after Okay, this. okay. I wanted to give you a little time to shine, a little time to talk about our favorite movie. Well, this is one of my favorite parts, so I'm glad you did. They So they load up in the truck with the gold and everything, and they put Kate in the passenger seat and Phoebe in the bed of the truck. And at this point, they're getting chased by, this is where I can't remember, they're getting chased by either two of them or three of them. I don't know if it was some kind of visual illusion, but man, it would have been a huge, huge oversight if I was watching this movie and didn't notice there were two of them. Yeah. Like, are they running side by side? Not side by side, but one's running like in the forefront really big and then one's kind of far behind him like slowly sliding into view and that happens a couple times. I don't remember that at all. Maybe it was just an editing mistake. Maybe because nobody talks about it like there's multiple aliens. They only talk about that bug-eyed bastard and that thing. And right, they never they never mention that there's more than one. But they definitely there definitely are more than one in this final fight. So they, okay, so we're, we're getting off track. They load up in the truck and they're driving off. And Phoebe is chucking dynamite out the back, right? Yeah, she just has like a bunch of little bundles of dynamite, and they're all they're all the same like amount but for some reason as phoebe throws them each time she throws one it's like stronger every time like it blows up more yeah but these explosions aren't good enough i guess because the alien just keeps running through and i just i just want to mention that the alien's run is super goofy super fucking goofy he's like all bouncy it looks like they took like the test animation for a video game character where they're like, this is what they'll look like when they run. And then just kept that. Like, They just kept the base animation. Yeah. So Kate's firing with a pistol or a rifle from the passenger side and a bag of gold drops from the bed of the truck. Phoebe freaks out and is like, stop, help, we got to get the gold. For some reason, Kate also jumps out to help out. Right. Nobody knows why. 
and they both like grab the bag of gold together, put it in the back of the truck for some reason. And then at this point, Burke just completely betrays everything he's talked about this entire movie and drives off without him. He goes, later suckers. And there's no, there's not a single second of the, the movie before that that establishes that like Burke is independent and doesn't want Phoebe like the entire time he's calling her baby and super up close to her and being like yeah we're gonna get this gold and coming to jeff foxworthy with her and everything and then yeah just suddenly totally cool with leaving her for dead in the desert so then they're like that piece of shit what a bit and they don't have any other guns because they left all their guns in the truck and then you find out an alien is on the truck with him and so he all of a sudden at this point just decides that death is fine and he's like, if I'm dying, you're going out with me. Uh, well, because he was gonna, he was going to die. The alien is kind of reaching right. into the truck. So he was like, you know, if I'm dying, you're going down with me. A uh, Yahoo! And then he drives off the cliff. <laughs> Yahoo! And it presumably kills him. We never see it corpse. But presumably any human in a truck falling about 70 feet is going to perish. So then Phoebe and Kate, they're together. And they come face to face with the creature. Uh, and at this point, Phoebe says, fuck this, I'm out. Phoebe runs away, and Kate says, no more running. And this starts the intense final battle. And it's basically just a full 45 seconds of Kate getting her <laughs> ass kicked by this alien. And then suddenly, again, complete change in character, Phoebe comes back to try and save the day. But she gets her stomach slashed because she tries to use the golden sword, which is all of a sudden here now. She, she makes the classic mistake of instead of just coming up behind the alien and slicing just like she did with lyle she like makes it all theatrical and she's like hey and he turns around she's got it like held with both hands over her head like in just the way that it would take the longest possible to do the swing and she doesn't say something like she doesn't say something quick she like raises it above her head and she's like hey you and the alien turns around and she's like me me when me when i me when I stab me, me when, and then gets cut in the stomach. It's very much that energy. Of, <laughs> I don't know what, that, I don't know what she energy. says, but. But she falls and the sword falls and Kate grabs the sword. And then at this point, Phoebe also realizes she's probably going to die. And then you find out, I think, did she have another packet of dynamite or did she have a fucking grenade? She had a grenade. Like she had little, she had a little tool belt thing and she had like a grenade latched onto her side. She pulled the grenade and it blows herself up with the alien. She she gets the alien to come over to her and then she says, Eat crow! I just and then, thought that was important and then blows part. up. So then Phoebe's dead, the alien is not dead, and reinitiates the final battle. Now Kate has the epic gold sword and in one swish kills the alien. Just fucking decapitates him it's not even a contest because the grenade made him all woozy so he's walking like he just woke up before he gets his and head Kate cut just off. murders him and i love that he gets his head cut off and the monster like makers the costume people for this movie were like hmm how do we make it clear that he's he's got like weird alien biology and the way they do that is they cut off his head and his neck is just a big old bramble of eyes. Just a bunch of eyes. Yeah. The man is all eyes. So yeah, she gets it. We get that amazing, epic, super climactic and satisfying battle. And then Kate's leaving. 
and she's just walking off, presumably just waiting until she hopefully finds where she came from. I think she knows her directions at this point. And Ranger Janeway is back. He comes up in just the most unsubtle way to this woman who clearly he can see as she is by herself just saw a bunch of people get murdered around her and he just comes up and grabs her shoulder casually and is like hey and she looks at him and is like everything went wrong i have to get out of here i've got this gold i can share some of it with you if you want and he's like yeah i mean if it's not anybody's gold and she's like yeah it's not anybody's well not anymore and then she's like you know i'm gonna take some of it you can have some of it, and I'm going to give the rest of it to a little boy with the last name McCool. And it's like, oh, that's cute. And they go to walk over this hill, and you're like, oh, that's such a cute little ending. Nice little bow on it. She's going to give the gold to McCool. What a sweet time. I'm ready to fade to credits. But then as they get onto the top of the hill, all of a sudden, just a UFO shows up, fills the screen, and 3,000 alien 3000s start filing out and kate just mentally breaks and just starts maniacally laughing doing her best disney villain laugh and i just wanted to mention that this is the hardest i laughed at the whole movie because not only because they just went absolutely balls to the walls with this ending by just putting in out of nowhere alien invasion <laughs> the part that got me is the aliens come out of the ship they're like filing out and it's supposed to i think it's supposed to you know convey that there's a lot of them and that there's a whole army but when they, but when they walk out they're all walking really casually and they're all like slowly rotating their heads side to side so like all i could of think tourists. of was they looked like they were taking like an apartment tour <laughs> like they were walking around like this is a nice place it's like yo this planet's pretty cool dude i'm liking this so it's just mildly intense background music to slowly walking casual ass aliens and kate just dying in the background of laughter and that's the end that's when the credits comes on and speaking of endings my laptop just told me that its battery is low and it needs plugged in so it's gonna die very soon do you need a charger i don't because that's the end of the movie isaac you f you fool but don't we have other fun facts to say uh we do but yeah we can figure that out in a minute okay i might have to record that separately it's it's late in the night but that's our ending what what is your What's your takeaway for this movie, Isaac? What What is the big lesson of Alien 3000? What does it say? Uh, the big lesson I feel that I learned from this movie is, uh, you know, try your hardest, do your best, be the best person you can, and even if you do, all the people around you will die, and subsequently an alien invasion <laughs> will occur on your planet, and you will <laughs> mentally break. This this movie has no character arcs. It has no lesson. It has no conclusion to anybody's anything. Like, Kate goes through all this trauma, and then she's rewarded with cackling at the end while an invasion happens. 
it's it's very sad it's it's a it's a waste it's a bit of a waste at the end it was an okay time it, it was all right i i feel like overall i'm gonna give it like a uh, uh i don't know a, a five out of ten i feel like it was only half good because it again was just a rip off of predator i'm gonna give it a four out of ten <laughs> we have memories with it it has some funny moments it has genuinely good stuff like the scene in the lab and some of the practical effects i think look good but overall it's low effort it's very low effort it's minimal plot it's minimal writing it's minimal original ideas all around in terms of just the general sense of that we go for in this show of does this thing hold up this absolutely doesn't does not hold up at all all right we're back in the chunk zone we're back continuously we're back immediately we're back so fast it hasn't been a month it i mean it hasn't been a month and i don't know who's been spreading that rumor and i don't know who told you that i will i will take them out yeah this i don't know who's spreading that rumor but it's dumb. I don't know why anyone would think we would lie about that because um, we are recording it in the great month of July. I mean, um, June. 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 The great we, month um, of June. We we love we love immediately uh, just jumping right into it because we're so passionate about Alien 3000 that we would never skip a day when we know that we could have been talking about Alien 3000 or something Alien 3000 related because honestly, I mean, what else do we have to do with our time? We have no social connections. We don't think about anything. We don't talk about anything except for whatever we're doing for this show. Yeah, uh, and you know, I'm 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 just so passionate about Alien 3000. While we were here recording this, actually, I busted into the old 401k and grabbed me some Alien 3000 merch. Is <laughs> this... I didn't know. I didn't know that. Uh, that isn't. That's not written down anywhere. Do you wanna? You wanna share with the class what you get, man? Uh, well, I got it. I got a shirt that says Alien Three Thousand. Sick. I was gonna get another shirt that says Alien Three Thousand, but the text was blue. But I got told no by the company because I did not own the copyrights to Alien Three Thousand. I bought several of those wobble heads that were po- popular oh. back in the two thousands mm-hmm. um, of Alien Three Thousand characters, all like five of them what, and then, what, what what are their names since we just talked about them earlier can you name off some of those classic characters can you give me their first names um i think everybody's of, favorite bunch of rascals isaac yeah, you know, you know, everybody. You I, know. I, I i did just we did just start recording this right after we just talked about it what are you talking about just start this is the same recording right no yeah. editing was done right um i think the main character's name was like Sarah. Nope. <laughs> you know, I think my brain is so melted from just how good the movie was. And after looking through copious amounts of Amazon merch, I think I'm a little forgetful of what their names are. So uh, so if this is the same recording, what, when did you look through this Amazon merch? Like uh, while we were talking. Like... <laughs> like while you were talking while we were talking about the movie you were also like bookmarking stuff in your amazon wish list dude we were four minutes into this recording and i knew i had to have some merch yeah and they had a lot they had a lot quite a a bit you know they've got 
basically anything on Amazon. Man, I would have thought they'd be wiped out. <laughs> I would have thought they'd be absolutely cleared out of that. I mean, that's that's primo stuff. I'm glad I'm glad the show has your full attention, Isaac. And what also had my full attention was the huge, prominent, interesting inner workings of every person who worked on Alien 3000 and definitely not just like two of the dudes involved in Alien 3000 <laughs> for the most part, which is definitely not what I'm about to talk about. But on a completely unrelated note to that mess up, my initial research on this movie took me to what was the top build person on like IMDb and every other resource. And I thought it was the main character because I hadn't watched the movie yet. It wasn't the main character. It wasn't Kate. Her name is Kate and not oh, Sarah. Kate, I see. I was close. <laughs> you knew it. But the top build person was the guy who played Biggs, which is the helicopter guy who had like a hat on. The hat, the hat one of the Helly Boys, you know him. The one who uh, uh, died, he got cut in half. Of course, how could I forget that very memorable man? He got cut in half, Isaac. But the actor who plays him, I, I, I feel like I'd heard the name, but I didn't recognize much. Uh, his name's Lorenzo Lamas, which is a good name. I'll give him that. That's solid. That's a Hollywood name. I, and I was looking at it, and he does have a lot of roles. He has, like, a bunch of soap opera roles, which, I mean, I haven't seen, but, you know, that shit goes on for, like, decades, and that's, like, a paycheck. So my man was getting a paycheck. And, you know, notoriety if his face was on the screen all the time with something like that. And he was also in Greece, but I think, I don't know, maybe he had a big role, but I didn't recognize the name. So he could have just been one of the boys in a leather jacket snapping in the background. You know, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but his big breakout role, the one, the only one that I really had seen at all. Isaac, I don't know if you're ready for this. He's, he was, he played a classic character in the show Phineas and Ferb. Oh, can I try and take a guess? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead, take a take a shot. It's somebody uh, you wouldn't even believe with the with the magnitude they they hold in the show. Just the absolute prominence they have. Is it a character that's a part of like the main cast of kids? Like the no, group? it's not one of them. It's uh, not a kid. It's not a child. What did he play? It's not an adult. It's not an adult. Did he pay Perry the Platypus? No. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know who played Perry the Platypus. Oh, um, was it Meep? <laughs> yeah. He played Meep. <laughs> he played Meep, baby. Uh, this guy, this big jacked man who, when you look him up, he just, he looks like a stock photo. Like he's very handsome, but in like a really traditional way that makes him look kind of mannequin almost. But, you know, he seems all right. But yeah, he played Meep, dude, who I barely really remember. I would be 100% honest with you, if you hadn't said that it wasn't a child or an adult, I would not have gotten that. Yeah, uh, I almost also said Meep was a character from Big Time Rush there before I got... (laughs) Before I cut myself off, I said, like, meep from big time, and then I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, that's the other thing I was going to mention was the only other thing I saw that I recognized on his, uh, like, filmography when I was looking him up was Big Time Rush. It said he was in, like, a bunch of the episodes, so he must have been a prominent character, but I couldn't tell you a single person from Big Time Rush or any of the supporting cast from that show. It wasn't bad. It but wasn't I just terrible. Don't, I don't know what Lorenzo was doing on the show. It wasn't terrible, but it came out around the same time of like iCarly, 
And at the time, iCarly was, like, the one that was super popular. And I feel like that's what most kids watched. If they watched anything, like, reality TV (laughs) show-esque. I remember there was a kid that we went to high school with. And in elementary school, I remember he... We were talking in gym. And we were talking about our favorite shows. And he was, like, kind of a jock. He would lower his voice sometimes, I feel like, at that time. Because we were, like in like fourth grade and he was trying to sound like a big kid or whatever but then like he leaned into me and he was like kyle secretly my favorite show is big time rush and he said it (laughs) it sounded like it sounded like he was like breaking like a heartbreaking confession to me like he like leaned down he was like my favorite show is big time rush and like i was gonna be crushed i was like all right i've seen big time rush before it's all right and he's like yeah it is pretty good (laughs) and that's about my only reference point for big time rush i think one of their names is carlos though uh other than that i got nothing for the big time boys but they did give me part of my name part of the big time chunk so they got something i think they were in the thought process for that speaking of being in the thought process uh, the thought process of lorenzo was pretty scattershot for a while it seems he he couldn't decide who he wanted to be married to and how many kids he wanted to have because that's like a long list on both sides but i don't want to get into the personal life but another thing he moved on to was from acting to being a real life helicopter boy <laughs> isaac he really did it uh he he did he retired from acting and became a new york city helicopter pilot which is i mean is beautiful this movie inspired him do you do you think this was the inspiration do you think he had this role and then he was like i want to be a helicopter pilot either because this movie's so good and he loves it so much and he wants to you know do what he did in the movie it inspired him or maybe the movie's so bad that it drove him out of acting and into the arms of helicopter piloting also with the thought in mind that i'm pretty sure he acted for like a decade after this movie came out and then became a helicopter pilot i have a second theory on maybe how he chose this profession well the first question i was gonna ask you is was this his last acting role i realized before i asked it though that's stupid yeah no i it wasn't but i don't remember how how often he acted after but i do remember he had a good amount after well it was also considering that phineas and ferb came out after this movie Oh, yeah, that's true. Phineas <laughs> and Ferb was not out in, like, 2002. <laughs> My thought is that maybe he was at the end of his acting career, and he was like, oh, you know, dude, I just can't do this anymore. Um, that's what he sounds like. That's what he sounds like, I think. I remember. Um and he kind of like he just rewatched all of his old roles and was like, "There's got to be something in my movies that's that looks fun. Make what do I want to do?" And then like he's going through his movies, like, "No, I don't want to be a vampire hunter." If he was a vampire hunter or some shit like that, and then he came across Alien Three Thousand and he was like, "That was a good time. That was a fun role. What would it be like to do that in real life?" And so he went and made friends with an elderly man at a bar he lived nearby, probably. Um, mm. and they became the helicopter boys <laughs> is my theory. <laughs> the other guy in the movie was an elderly. Why is he? I thought he was older. I thought he was like an I old mean, he wasn't, dude. He wasn't older. I think they were both. They both looked like they were like in their forties. Another middle aged man. And they sure. became the helicopter boys. <laughs> okay. I was like, why is he, why is he an elderly man? Just like this crotchety old dude. And he's trying to pilot a helicopter. <laughs> why did you put him in there? He doesn't want to be there. <laughs> I don't like the plan. <laughs> I don't like the, this plan. 
I hope it's not what he did. Uh, also, his only other claim to fame, for me at least in this context, is uh, mentioned by the director, Jeff Leroy himself, who we will get to. Apparently, Jeff Leroy said that Lorenzo Lamas, he hid behind a rock when his ex-wife Playboy model came up and was demanding his paycheck. He was demand. She was demanding it because apparently he wasn't like paying child support. Okay. Which, uh, good job, good job, Lorenzo. I'm very proud. Jeff didn't elaborate at all. Like I saw this story a couple different places after that, and I could never find more about it. So who knows if she got the money, uh, if she found him behind the rock, how long he was behind the rock how good a hiding place the rock was you know we'll never know but that was literally the only trivia anybody bothered to put on the alien 3000 imdb page weird well i mean at least the lesson we can get from this is that only cool guys don't pay child support yeah and honestly it's (laughs) no uh honestly it's not out of character for jeff Leroy to you know tell a story and then not give a good ending so i'm not surprised he just didn't come up with anything for like what happened after he hid behind a rock that's just you know he just hid behind a rock he grabbed the guy by the shirt and was like you idiot don't you know i don't end well we'll we'll move on we'll leave we'll leave lorenzo in his uh helicopters if he's still there i don't know you know maybe he maybe he just retired and i didn't read that like last week who knows but probably not because we're recording this at the exact same time we recorded the other part and that wasn't that long after so you know we, we got it but we'll move on to the big the big man. The big the big man about town, Jeff Leroy. His filmography is one of the goofiest things I've ever read. Uh, I showed some of it to Isaac. I, I kind of alluded to it. This man has made nothing but nonsense for decades. And like, I wish I could be proud of him. Like, I wish it was cool nonsense. Like, oh, this guy's making goofy stuff. And at first I thought it was like that. But the more recent his, his filmography you read into, the more you're like, a little bit put off you start to be a little bit uh, left to center for a second just a little you know i i I spent a long time clicking through and i was trying to decide if i I was trying to figure out does this guy hate women or does he like women way too much and i would say that if it was the love option it's it's not a love that like they'd reciprocate and Here's a, here's a nice sim- simple sampling platter of his latest. One thing is, though, before I get into the actual thing, he was on the animation crew of an Evil Bong movie, <laughs> and they made like seven of the Evil Bong movies, if you don't know, like with the Ginger Dead Man and everything, and so I think that counts for something. Which we're going to be watching eventually, <laughs> no, the seven Bong this movies. Th- look, this isn't just going to be trash movie theater the entire show. Uh, I don't know if I want to watch the Evil Bong movies. They so then, seem purposefully bad, even more than like Bulk was. What are you gonna do then if that movie comes out of the rift? If the entire sevenology of the Bong comes out of the rift, are you just gonna <laughs> reject the rift's offer? I'll try to reject the sevenology if I could. If it's that many, it might be more. Honestly, it wouldn't shock me if it was more. I guess you know. It would just warble at me and, you know, scream out light at my eyes and, like, try to burn my corneas. So I'd probably just have to watch all the Evil Bong movies. But 
unless that kind of danger is presenting, I don't think I'm watching the. I don't think I'm watching the Evil Bong movies, man. I don't think I'm watching. E- I'm not even watching versus Ginger Dead Man. So we're we're going in, and by the way, I'm gonna start from the bottom. 2004. This movie has an alternate title. I think I've mentioned it before, but if I haven't. It's also called Unseen Evil 2 in some places. I don't know because it's not it's not actually a direct sequel to the original Unseen Evil, which there is one of, but it doesn't matter. That's the first one that I have in there. So he has Unseen Evil 2, and see if you can see a trend here, Isaac, as I go up, all right? Okay. We're at Unseen Evil 2, and then same year, Creepies, then Fear Flies. Mm-hmm. We've got, I'll skip a few every every once in a while here. Uh, we got Creepies 2. Then we've got the first omen of things to come, which is Werewolf in a Women's Prison. Okay. <laughs> and then we've got Psycon Invaders, Rat Scratch Fever, and then Poor Man's Bikini Beach, which is a TV series with 16 episodes. Oh. That apparently lasted four years. It took them four years to release 16 episodes? Yeah, man. For a year. They were really spacing them out. They were big premiere television. Uh, Then we got Furious Road, which I don't know if that's a Mad Mad Max thing or not. And then we've got Girls and Corpses, which is also a TV series, but it seems like he only did an episode of it. And then Giantess Attack... And Predator World, mm-hmm. Frankenstein in a women's prison, Dracula in a women's prison. Are these sequels? I don't know. It's not clear. Sunset Society revisited more blood and guts documentary short. Giantess Attack versus Mecha Fimbot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is his most recent full release from 2019. Oh. And then completing post-production, but not yet released, we have Dracula's Sorority Sisters. Once you get to the end of that, it straight up just sounds like incognito tab level like names there. Like I was straight up. (laughs) I was vibing with it at first. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this guy's doing horror movies. And, you know, they've got some pretty unique names, but whatever. They still sound like they could be good. And then you got to what werewolf in a women's prison. And I was like, oh, I think I know where this is going to go downhill. (laughs) It took him to, to his credit. Werewolf in a women's prison came out in 2006. The Frankenstein and Dracula women's prison movies. They didn't come out until 2017. It took him took him 11 years to make the craft. Really, it's like the Avatar sequels. Uh, he's he's crafting, he's crafting those over a decade. Maybe they're art. Does that mean we're gonna be expecting more of him in 2027? Well, right now he's working hard every day and night, slaving away at Dracula's sorority sisters, which we're all looking forward to. <laughs> But, you know, maybe after that, maybe he'll even make a sequel. Maybe he'll give Mecha Fimbot her own <laughs> solo movie. That caught me off guard. <laughs> yeah, that came that came absolutely out of nowhere right at the end. It's literally the last thing he fully released, and it's just the goofiest name on the list. Other than just the out-of-nowhere women's prison ones, which... I read the descriptions for, and then they immediate they're the, they were the kind of thing that just immediately fell out of my brain because they were so nonsensical to where my brain just didn't like the synapses didn't fire right and memory was not stored, <laughs> and I have no clue 
what those movies are about or why any of those monsters are just in a women's prison. It also seemed like it's not exactly that or if it is they're all like the warden which i don't like this Um, just sounds like a porno you know after getting this cursed list from imdb i i saw all these jeff leroy movies and i saw over the list that i was reading some of them had the uh, posters and after looking at the covers it's no longer a debate it's definitely likes women too much it's the likes women too much side of the debate here because I don't know, man. He seems a little bit creepy, Isaac. I don't know. I don't want to, you know, make accusations against Jeff here, but uh, he seems kind of like a bit of a creep, if I'm being honest. Just, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what about him gives off that kind of vibe, but I think I agree. Half of the covers look 100% like porn. Like, 100% just girls standing, like, arching their backs in whatever, like, women's prison clothes or anything. That like, the there. kind of stuff if you walked into a video store and then walked to the back section that has, like, the... the... It, would be in a, it would be behind a locked black door that you have to go get permission to get into. <laughs> That's gotta be one of the most awkward things is to go get permission for that door. I mean, I don't know if anybody does that anymore. Maybe. I and mean, not, there aren't really many video stores open anymore. Not really. There's just some, like, straggler family videos that sell a bunch of CBD oil, and that's, like, how they stay alive. <laughs> they just plaster the ads for it all the time. I don't know why, but I saw that happen multiple times. I don't think it'll keep them alive for long, though. Also, the tagline for Giantess Attack was just, like Godzilla, only sexier. So, I mean, he's definitely not going highbrow with them. They're definitely not big-time art pieces. He's making erotica, just very watered-down erotica that could be shown on a movie screen. Now, Isaac, you might think, Kyle, this is a bit baseless. You can't say this guy's a creep. This guy is kind of off-putting just based on what he's made, you know. Maybe it doesn't represent him exactly. You know, maybe he's really nice. This is just like him getting getting something out of his system, you know. Maybe he's an all right guy. I have part of a uh, interview that I, I read online, and I watched part of it also. I'm going to read you out the question and then the answer, and I just want you to, to feel the vibe that Jeff Leroy gives off in this interview. Okay. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. So the question he's asked, it's totally normal. It's, you haven't acted often. Is that a good or a bad thing? Because he's a director, primarily. You know. Jeff Leroy's answer, <clears throat> and I quote, Actors are like dogs. I don't want to play Fido today. Maybe if I got to make out with a hot girl or something. I don't like Jeff Leroy. <laughs> that was his. <laughs> he started it off. He started off this interview. This was like the second or third question, I think, with actors are like dogs. Which is just a great thing to say after you just worked with a bunch of actors on a movie. How did this, this was, man become a director? I don't know. This was a while after. I think this was like 2010 to 2012-ish area when this interview happened. So it was a little while after. But his whole interview his whole interview vibe was just that. Like weird, off-putting, like just really quick answers that were all like the exact wrong thing to say like here we have question what are the elements needed to make a successful jeff leroy film normal question once again Mm -hmm. good job uh, question guy i'm terrified of what the answer is going to be yeah i and and i will link to the resources that i have in the bio if you guys want to check out the interview if you want to get the vibe yourself but (laughs) he said what are the elements needed to make a successful jeff leroy film and the answer was 
well, I know what I like. If I'm making a women's prison film, which I guess is a whole genre to him, I rent tons of them and I pick out the stuff I like, the riots and the whippings and things. I rewatched my Hammer box set for Dracula and wrote down what I like about the film and avoid the things I don't. I like a lot of naked girls and gore. Not realistic torture, but over-the-top nonsense. I mean, at least he doesn't enjoy realistic-looking stuff. He doesn't... I'll give him he doesn't want to torture women on screen realistically. That's cool. But also, you you don't have to whittle <laughs> your thing all the way down. I mean, I guess you're not whittling it down if it's all that's there. Just going, yeah, what makes a good Jeff Leroy film is naked girls and gore. Because that's what I like. That's what I'm into. Which is, is weird also because, I mean, is there any nudity in Alien 3000? No, not in Alien 3000 anyway. But yeah, Alien 3000 also didn't seem like one of the movies that focused on women. Yeah, I guess that was more around the time of, like, Psychon Invaders and all that, like, seemed like just random horror movie stuff. I mean, there was stuff in this, you know, like the Jeff Foxworthy, <laughs> the Jeff Foxworthy, can't say the word Jeff Foxworthy scene with Phoebe and Redneck Man. Oh, yeah, I guess that's kind of the closest they got to nudity. But even then, you didn't really see anything. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they did anything. Because I, I don't know, here here we'll have something here that'll maybe shine a little bit of light on, on what was going on. The question was, what was your worst movie experience? And his answer was Alien 3000. <laughs> that was my biggest budget film, which, whoa. <laughs> really? He put the most budget into that film? He said that it was his biggest budget film. He got Meep, Isaac. He got the play. He got the guy who played Meep and somebody in Greece. That's fair. That's fair. How was he supposed to pull that kind of talent without? But he said Alien Three Thousand. That was my biggest budget film. But I don't think the money was spent wisely. The real film is a snore, just terrible. So Jeff Leroy doesn't even like his movie. <laughs> Jeff Leroy isn't even proud. This man directed. And he's just throwing the movie under the bus, just throwing all three thousand aliens right under the right under the eighteen wheeler. I feel like Alien Three Thousand may have been the moment he like realized what he liked, because he was like, "Yeah, I want to make it bigger. I want to get big and out there." And then he tried one time and it failed horribly, and he just went, "Well, if I can't have money, I can't have women." And then he just started going down this wormhole of shitty, weird pervert films that he's been making and is continuing to make apparently i think somebody just like came up to him and said jeff the secret to filmmaking is you got to film what you love and he took that to mean you got to film what like you lust after and then he just started doing all these in a women's prison things out of no i mean it wasn't long after alien 3000 came out that werewolf the first women's prison movie was released so Maybe it broke his brain. Yeah, he tried it one time, and it's he was like, well, I got to do this more often. It's like when somebody – I'm not going to say that. That's weird. <laughs> okay. I was – You're going to have an edit point here? Or? No, no. It's, it's like when somebody does the self-pleasuring thing to a weird thing, and they go, well, that felt nice, and then they just go down this wormhole of all this really weird shit. Uh, not to yuck anyone's yum, but that is what I was going to say. I don't understand. 
don't even understand what you mean. <laughs> What's the analogy? What's the metaphor? Because like he did it one time. He tried. He tried this weird pervert film one time, and he went, "Well, that felt good." And then he just went into a wormhole of trying all this weird shit. He just found out that he loves women's prisons. <laughs> yeah. What a thing to learn. Other than, you know, I don't want to give too much attention to Jeff Leroy. After all, you know, we already talked about him and, you know, the way he talk. The way he talk is bad. The rest of the cast are all either in random B-movies all the time or they have, like, two credits to their name. And, like, I don't want to drag this out too far. But, side note, the creepy and annoying guard guy uh, is very jeff leroy like everybody else had like pretty normal b-movie credits but he had stuff like agent big knob in the movie booby trap so (laughs) yeah get it booby do you guys get it it's funny because of booby he was in that and like Uh... something called vape wars he's you know he's having a good time i'm glad isaac fell right into the trap right into the booby trap i fell i fell for it and it it murdered me (laughs) the next most important person in alien 3000 isaac other than jeff leroy is the namesake himself themselves the aliens there's a fandom wiki all dedicated to the alien 3000 aliens and they call them simply alien 3000 that's like where the name of any single thing would be on their fandom wiki entry. It's just Alien 3000. It's not implied that that's the name of the movie. It's implied that that's the name of the creature. So every single alien in that movie is called an Alien 3000, just like a human. So it's not like yeah, their species isn't like Globagaborgs. They're just the Alien 3000s. They're, they're Alien 3000. Yeah, there's one Alien 3000. There's two Alien 3000s. We Alien 3000s would like to form a committee. You know, that's those are the different forms of it. But yes, I think that is the right way to say the alien 3000 name according to what i assume to be completely canon fandom wiki articles which i mean you would you would agree right i would yeah obviously i would definitely listen to anything the fandom has to say anything the fan i mean it's the fandom it's the official fandom it's it what's has keeping fan, the movie alive fan kingdom fandom that's what it's for there's a study mentioned in the article for the aliens and it says that previous studies suggested they were an arachnid like in nature with multiple sets of legs but these specimens seem to have gone extinct extinct they seem to have gone extinct as of the current time which which is insane because that that adds to the canon of the movie that the like low res off-model shots that we see of the alien like in the really early scenes in the movie when i said like it looked like a different thing when we were talking about it how it didn't it wasn't bipedal and everything it's saying that like that was just a different kind of alien 3000 and they went extinct like during the course of the movie i guess Mm. that's their that's their explanation for the for the off-model arachnid-looking weird one, apparently. Or that's what I got from that. Because they wrote that down like it's in the movie, but there ain't a second of that in the movie, Chief. My thought, since, like, 
Because I can definitely see the spider resemblance. I can definitely see that. In it the, looks like a spider in the early ones. Yeah, in the bi- yeah, in the bipedal it. form. My thought, and bear with me. Do you know how in Star Wars, when people die, they're still like ghosts and shit? Yeah, force ghosts. And when uh, the Alien Three Thousand is invisible, it is like uh, it is like a see through invisible. The model we get to see in the very beginning has kind of like a darkish gray, black, smoky tint to its invisibility. So here's my thought, right? Okay. The Alien 3000 in the movie was never shown to have, like, wind powers. But every time they entered into the cave, there would be a huge gust of wind that would yeah. always blow them away. We never got so an explanation for that. What if the cave was haunted by the spider ancestors of the Alien 3000? And that's what we saw in the first model. It was the ghost of the elders. And then the bipedal ones were the actual ones who could, like, run out and fuck shit up if they were trying to desecrate the elder's grave. Because according to the alien they talked to in the the room, they had been there for like 300 years. Yeah, they'd been around. So maybe the the cave was just like oogity-boogity'd by some elders. And then they were like, go get them kids. And the kids were like, fuck yeah. Yeah, I I could see it. I mean, I could definitely see it. There is the one time where one of the off-model ones like straight up grabs the gun from the other from the one guy and shoots the other but other than that i'd say yes but maybe that was like a trick of the camera you know maybe right off screen it was actually the normal alien 3000 shooting the gun and grandpappy old ghost alien 3000 off model man he was just he was just there standing there as a spooky ghost is that what you're saying yeah okay okay i didn't you know what i didn't have that here i just had that they were adding their own canon but honestly I love that. That's great, and we can add that to the canon. All if right. they're adding canon, we can add canon. Yeah, it's our own personal canon. That that it's it's a haunted elders cave of the first three thousands that landed on Earth. There was another section that I quoted. I only quoted one other section of the wiki. It says Alien three thousand is extremely hostile and will quickly attack or kill any intruders within its territory. While at first believed to be for protection over its food supply, later studies revealed it to be more malicious. But I disagree. See, I have the theory that Kate was right partially about what the movie thinks she was slightly wrong about. Because she keeps saying that if they leave the gold alone, the alien will just leave them alone. And nobody believes her. They all think that they have to at least go, like, kill the alien or it's going to hunt people. But honestly, I don't think it's malicious. I don't think any of them are malicious. They all, like, the one stared at the other helicopter boy, not Lorenzo, but the other one, Wilkins, that's his name, it just came to me, and, like, he's just staring. He's just staring with the with the sword under his mouth, like, like when you're at a restaurant or something or at a friend's house, and you don't like eating in front of people, and it's kind of awkward, and you're kind of sitting there, and you're not sure how big of a bite to take, and you don't want to look weird. I think he would, I think it was just nervous. And then when they came after it, that's why it like, you know, chopped his head or like squished his head and then chopped his friend in half. I just think they want to eat gold. I don't think they're malicious. I think maybe some of them are a little bit smarter than others. Like the one in the lab was sounded like he was a leader type. You know, he was talking through the thing. He was assertive, authoritative. But that one, it was kind of standing around. It was kind of bulky. It was kind of slow and lurking. I think most of them... Like it's like they're worker ants. That's that the, they got a queen or a king. They got some that are kind of smart. 
but then the other ones are just kind of drones. They just want to go, instead of get honey or whatever, they want to get gold, eat gold. I don't know, man. I kind of agree with the wiki here that they're a bit more malicious because, like, I feel like there's a lot of shit they did that wasn't required. Like, I can kind of see it. But it, it's, it's just like an animal, man. You got to think about... Like, uh, you know, you you disturb a nest and then the mama bird's mad. You know, you, you, you get near a cub and the bear's mad or whatever. It's just they're protecting or you're in their area. You know, maybe they got sent. But they invaded the planet. Yeah, but we don't see what happens after that. They just come down on the planet. I mean, they could just walk around, take all the gold, then get back on their ship. We don't know. We just have Kate laughing like a maniac and then the movie ends. That's true. They're looking around like nice place. They don't come out there. They don't have any spears. They don't have any guns. They didn't come armed. They're not an army. They're tourists. They're visitors. They're just walking around. They want to see if this place has gold. They're, the Alien 3000 planet, the streets are literally paved with gold. And it's not special. And they have to repave it all the time because people scoop down and eat the, the, the pavement because it's made out of gold. Which <laughs> <laughs> is... That's a dumb, that's a dumb idea, but yes, they've got gold on their planet, and I think they just want to eat. What do you think? What do you think the ratio is? I think they are eighty percent gold eating, twenty percent malicious, but like in a mama bear way. I think it's a fifty-fifty split. You think it's a fifty-fifty? Because split? while you are right that they don't, none of the aliens attacked until after the gold was touched. While I do agree, that's why the 50% is kind of coming in for the gold. But on the other hand, they did, like, they didn't just attack. They attacked in ways that didn't kill instantly. They attacked in ways that, like, hurt people and, like, picked them off one by one and stuff like that instead of just trying to kill them as efficiently as possible. And then again, they did invade the planet, and the one in the lab was like, We are coming to invade your planet because you suck and we rock. It didn't sound like that, but I don't know. Me personally, I feel like it's about a 50-50 split for survival versus malicious. You suck and we rock, yes, is the is the idea, you know, if you wanted to boil down a speech. Basically, you know, we've been here for 300 years. We rule. You rock. Or we rock. You suck, you know? I'll compromise a bit. I'll say like 65-35. All right. 65-35 is not bad for 65% wanting to eat gold. Because they really seem like they like eating gold, man. He had a feast going on. He was living by himself. That was a one-bedroom cave. And he had, like, a pile in there. Or the couple that were probably in that cave. As we discussed in the movie, there's apparently, like, four of them already on the planet. There's, like... I think there's three at least. There, Yeah, no, there's four because there's three that chase the people around. One of which you don't even see till the very end. And then, or at least that's the theory. That's the theory. There could only be two. There has to at least be two because two die at the very end. The one gets blown up by a grenade in the and government place. Chucked off a cliff. <laughs> the well. other one gets chucked off a cliff, but the other one gets blown up. They, two of them get blown up by grenades. The one eats crow, and the other one. Um, blows up in the lab well right i'm talking about blow up from he doesn't die directly from the eat crow but you know 
I'm talking from the uh, the the, ba- the battle at the very end, the ones that are actually fighting, not the lab one. Counting yeah, the lab yeah. one, there's at least three. But counting the final battle, there has to be at least two because one gets blown up and launched off a cliff, and the other one gets fucking decapitated. <laughs> yeah, and there's I think there is a point at one point where you see two of them running towards the truck. Yeah, when they're driving they're away, the and they're just kind of casually chucking dynamite out of the truck. In conclusion, I, I just have written down the alien 3000 is a is a very bad movie (laughs) like more than when we watched amazing bulk and i had a good time and i was like lewis seems like he's passionate about movies he made this movie directed this movie and then he went and did charity work in another country and he loves the art and everything that's awesome like he just made a goofy movie and then on this one, I'm just sitting here and there's just pure, raw, unfiltered cringe pouring from everything about the production. And it's just it just wasn't as fun. And that was the whole lesson that I pulled from it was just we had a lot of fun both times we watched Amazing Bulk. When we watched Amazing Bulk, when it was fresh and we hadn't seen it, it was hilarious and it was fun. Me rewatching it by myself, I had a good time. I was laughing at it. I was making fun of it in my head, but I was having fun. I was I was getting into it in a so bad it's good type way. This movie, I don't think I ever got into it in a so bad it's good type way. I think the whole time I was watching it being like, wow, this is exactly the level that it's it's trying to be. And it's not, it's nothing special. <laughs> yeah, the first time we watched it, like it was okay. Because just there's a few good moments in the movie. But it was hard for me to rewatch it again to remember what happened. Mm. Like, that's why it took me, like, over a month after you said, hey, Isaac, rewatch Alien 3000. Because it was just hard to get into it. I would open it, and I would watch, like, five minutes, and then go, man, I would rather be doing anything else right now than watching this fucking dog shit movie. Everything looks so flat. Everything looks like it was just filmed in the most random, like, small town and in the most random rooms that they only had like rented for a few hours so they didn't dress any of the sets or they're just you know wandering around in the blank desert so all the movie kind of starts to blend together and then all the characters start to blend together because they're all just kind of mad at each other for no reason (laughs) and getting murdered by an alien and all doubting the main character is like all their three main personality traits except the main character kate has just those three traits and that's just what guides them through the entire movie like they're on a like they're on a little string this this movie is like the anti-bulk is what i wrote it's 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 the anti-bulk it's the anti-absolute sweetheart schoenbrunn the guy from the amazing bulk leroy he claims to love movies but he just also seems really bitter about everything when you listen to him and i just think this should be a lesson that you should never let yourself be overtaken by your own vision, especially if your vision is stuff like werewolf in a women's prison. You know, basically the motto here is don't be a Jeff, be a Lewis. You know, don't the be a Jeff. The only good character in the entire movie. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, Isaac, because I I couldn't have talked about this. Mo- I have to watch better movies if I'm watching them by myself. <laughs> Because I don't think I could have, like, held enough power to talk about this movie for more than, like, 15 minutes by myself. Because I would have just been like, yeah, they're in the desert and they think there's an alien. The alien's there and it can go invisible and it eats gold. Well, you got to start making 
offerings to the rift so that you can start getting better films maybe yeah i don't know how to please it uh, i've tried to give it food i've tried to i tried to give it gold after watching this movie you know i got out my gold stash and i tried feeding it gold to see if it liked that but it still gave me you know just just trash i mean i have i have better things on the horizon for the show that hopefully the the rift will be the rift will be generous maybe i'll get to watch uh, real steel with hugh jackman <laughs> who knows but isaac i'm going to i'm going to need you to uh, skedaddle Okay. I need you to leave my room. Um, hopefully it actually lets me this time. Um, I don't. What do you think it's gonna do? Hurt you? It's just a. It's just a. It's it's just a completely chaotic mess on my wall, Isaac. It's not like you can't trust it. I mean, the burns on your hands make me inclined to believe you're lying to me, but those are from campfires. I love setting campfires. Mm-mm, s'mores. Oh, okay. Well, you're right. Here I go. Um, getting ready to go into the rift. I get, get it. Goodbye. Bye, Kyle. I see you, man. Uh, here, here. Uh, uh! Yeah, no, see, he, uh, he was just joking there, guys. It's, uh, it don't burn. It, it doesn't burn. Goodbye. Goodbye.